I've uh, heard he came up here and, and gave an introduction as to why the sermon series and why we're going to study this topic of, of women's roles during worship. And I'm not going to stand up here and I'm not going to rehash those. Um, I could remind you that I'm not a preacher. I'm not a very good public speaker. Um, but you already know that. I get up here enough that you know I'm terrible at this. So uh, uh, we're just going to go and get started. Maybe. I have no idea. He's got, I've got three different microphones and stuff that I had to turn on before I came up here, but they forgot to teach me this one. Appears to still not be working. There we go. Okay. So, if we're going to look at any any topic, we're going to look at this topic of women's roles in worship, um, then we probably ought to have a little bit of a uh, discussion about how we're going to study and how how we look at these things, right? Um, and I, and I'm going to tell you, we're going to look at uh, we're going to look at this topic just the same as as we look at every single spiritual topic and. And that's, uh, that's with a careful study and an examination of God's Word. Um, the worst thing that any Christian can do uh, as it relates to this topic or any topic is to be closed-minded and unwilling to study, right? Um, if you're just going to close your mind off, you're not going to listen, and, and you're not going to study along, um, there's, there's, really, there's really no, no point to anything. How, how are we ever going to learn? You know, we're called to study. Um, scripture calls us to study. Second um, Timothy two, and I put for the uh, sake of time. I've got all the scriptures on the slides. Uh, we're not going to look anything up, but feel free to, to look up in your uh, in your Bibles as we follow along. Second Timothy two, uh, verses fourteen and fifteen says, "Keep reminding them of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value, and it only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved." A workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. And I believe some uh, uh, translations say you study to show thyself approved, right? We're supposed to avoid quarreling words with each other. Uh, there's no use arguing about it. Um, we, we can kind of agree to disagree on certain things, but uh, we don't need to fight about it. We don't need to, we don't need to quarrel. We're, we're told not to. But more than that, we're also supposed to present ourselves to God, it says here, as one who correctly handles the word of truth. And if we're going to correctly handle anything, the, if we're going to know the truth, then we have to study what God's word says. If we don't study, we're never going to be able to correctly handle it, right? And I don't mean we just read them, um, but we're going to really dive down and, and study into, into God's word. You know, Mark said in class this morning, we've all kind of tried to do the read through the Bible in a year series, uh, which is which is good. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not really studying. You're just reading the words. And and what we want to do is, is really study over these next few weeks. First Peter chapter 3 tells us that uh, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Look what it says here. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do, do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, preach the word, be prepared, in season and out of season. 
correct, rebuke, and encourage, but how we're going to do it with great patience and careful instruction. We have to be prepared at all times um, with the Word of God. When someone asks us why we believe something, we should be able to tell them uh, a, a good, scriptural, godly reason as to our, our beliefs. And if we're going to be prepared to give a truthful, godly answer, then we have to study. All right? We don't just read. We study. Um, what can we not do when we're studying? Um, you know, I, I said a while ago, the worst thing we can do is, is be closed-minded. We can't close our mind and, and refuse to study, right? We can't have this, uh, well, that's just what I've always believed, so it's got to be true, attitude. Um, we can't have the attitude, well, that's how I was taught, so I don't need to study it. We can't have the attitude that, well, that's just the way I believe. Um, and we can't have the attitude of, well, oh, my goodness, my grandma and grandpa would roll over in their grave if they thought I was looking at this. Or... My mom doesn't believe this way, or my dad doesn't believe this way, or, or whoever doesn't believe this way, so, so I can't believe this way. Um, that's not how we study. That's, that's just being closed-minded. Um, if we have these, we have these uh, attitudes, we're, we're really in danger of letting things that, that may just be traditions of man take the place of really the truth of what God's Word calls us to do. Um, so, so we're not going to be closed-minded, we're going to study. So the question you guys all should probably be asking yourselves right now is, how do we study, right? How are we going to look at Scripture to make sure that we're really understanding what God's truth is, what He wants for us? Well, the first thing that uh, we need to do is probably adjust our perspective just a little bit as how we look at the Scripture, okay? Now understand what I'm saying here, and there's going to be a couple times I'm, I'm going to pause here and I want you to understand what I'm really saying here. I'm not saying that we're supposed to change Scripture. I'm not saying that we're going to throw out any scripture, okay? But instead, we're going to look at the scripture with the proper perspective. And not just the perspective, or that's how I was taught 50 years ago, but we're going to look at the uh, perspective in the, in the proper way, okay? Um, and I'm, I'm going to go into a little bit uh, more about that here in just a, just a minute. But look at this uh, picture up here. I, I even got Tim's pointer today. Um, look at this picture. What do we see in this picture up here? What, what do we see? What is it? A young lady? Anybody see something besides a young lady? Old lady? Okay. Does anybody see a young lady and an old lady? Hmm? Okay. Well, let's think about the perspective. Some people said an old lady. Look at this. You come down. This is her nose. Chin comes down this way. There's her mouth. Her eyes right there. Hair. Do we see the old lady now? How about the young lady? She's kind of looking away. This would be her chin here. Comes up, there's her little nose, comes up. This would be her ear. Okay, and this is kind of a necklace on her neck. So do we see the, can we see a old woman and a, and a young lady there? Um, how about this next picture? What do we see here? What's that? Two faces, anybody see anything else? An apple. an apple, right? Okay. So we can look at it. We see an apple core right here. But we can also look at it and see here's a face right here looking this way and a face right here looking at each other, right? Um, so what, what I'm trying to, the, the point I'm trying to make here is, is that we can see two different things from the same picture, okay? Um, and, and it kind of depends on how we look at it. And, and my point's pretty simple here. 
that, that just because we've always looked at Scripture one way doesn't mean that it's necessarily correct and that's the way we're supposed to see that Scripture. A change in our perspective, a change in, in how we look at it to see the whole truth can change what we're actually supposed to see about any given passage, okay? I'm done with that. I'm going to put that away before I put myself in the eye. Okay, um, so, so I want us here to remember a pretty basic principle, okay? God sent, God sent Jesus to do away with the old law, right? This, this old law that required so many rules of uh, doing things a certain way, kind of having a checklist of rules that had to be followed to a T, that old law didn't work, right? Think about how many times people turned away and, and failed time after time, right? So God put this new plan in place. And it, he, he put this plan that's rooted in grace, mercy, the plan of salvation through Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus brought with him the gospel message, okay? The fact that we now have direct access to God, the idea that now, we now have two great commands, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Love, okay? Daniel spent some time talking about that there uh, during worship. It seems to me that if we're going to study any scripture, no matter what it is, then the perspective that we probably should study that scripture through is through the lens of the gospel message that Jesus brought, right? What did Jesus teach about it? What did Jesus demonstrate for us? And what does God expect from us? It seems to me pretty simple. That's going to be the perspective that we're going to study these things through, okay? So as we look at scripture through the lens of this gospel message, we can kind of see Scripture um, kind of as a pyramid. And what do I mean by that? Um, and and th those of you that were in my class, some of this stuff is going to be uh, pretty, uh, uh, a lot of review. But, but what do I mean by, by looking at uh, our gospel message Scripture as a pyramid? Um, I'm going to go back there for a minute. Um, basically, I say you can split this up into, into three sections, Okay. You're going to have the bottom layer of the pyramid, and that's going to be our foundation of, of Scripture. And this is made up of, of essential, non-negotiable truths of Christianity, all right? This is the foundation that every single thing that we do and believe is built upon, okay? Um, this, this foundation includes God creating the world, that sin entered the world through Satan, that Jesus came to earth to save us, that he was born, he lived... He gave us examples, he taught, he demonstrated to us, he gave us the two great commands, he then was crucified on the cross, he was uh, resurrected to eternal life, and, and we know that if we accept Christ as our Savior, and we believe and we are baptized, we too are going to be resurrected into glory in heaven. These are the basic building blocks of all of Scripture, okay? And Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of that foundation. Um, there, there is no, there's no interpretation, there's no debate. That, that's the foundation. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. That's what we, we build our Christianity upon. Now you look at the pyramid, there's a second section, kind of a middle layer. It's a little smaller than that first one. And, and this second layer, it contains matters that are often called maybe disputable matters, matters of personal conviction, or matters that are subject to interpretation. Okay? And these are things that they can be debated and applied by individual churches as long as they do not violate the basic foundational truth layer of that pyramid, the basic gospel message, okay? Um, th this, is, this is kind of the layer that, that uh, 
most everything that Christians argue about fall into this into this middle section of, of debate. Um, doesn't have anything to do with the gospel message uh, or what Jesus taught or what he what he showed. Um, we want to argue about these, and Christians want to turn these these debatable matters, these matters of interpretation, into absolutes. They want to move them from being able to openly discuss them down to that bottom layer and say this is absolutely has to be done and this is part of the gospel message. They want to make they want to make these things the foundation, okay? And I just ha- I have this feeling, I have this vision of, of God sitting up there and he just looks down and shaking his head and he's like, "Come on guys, don't you get it by now? I sent Jesus. It's about love. It's the gospel message." What do I have to do to get you to see that? Why do you argue about these silly things? And then you've got the the top, small section of the pyramid. And these are matters of personal preference. And they may be even things that aren't even necessarily uh, addressed in Scripture for sure, okay? Um, You think about, especially, um, we all have our own preferences in life, all right? Some people may like country music. Some people may like rock and roll music. Some people may like one kind of food. Somebody else likes something else. Um, somebody likes sports. Somebody doesn't like sports. We all have our personal preferences. Like the same thing. It's the same thing in our worship service, right? You think about it. Some people like the older songs, the older hymns better. Some people like the newer contemporary songs. Um, some people, some people like having a, uh, a focus verse for our communion uh, service, our communion meditation. Other people don't want to have the focus uh, verse and want to just uh, get up and talk about whatever they want. Um, some people, um, I don't know, the, the number of songs that we sing, um, the order of worship, all these things, these are just matters of, of preference, right? Um, and, and nothing drives Mark, David, and I more crazy than people who want to complain about just their own personal preferences. Because um, let's face it, who's worship supposed to be about? Really, really strong answer right there. Who's worship supposed to be about? God, right? All right. It's not about us. It's about God. And, and we as the elders, we strive for an orderly worship that glorifies and praises God. Matters of preference have no business being argued about. Okay? So, the next way that we're going to study Scripture is probably the one that, that we're oftentimes the most guilty of neglecting. Okay? And we must look at Scripture as a whole. We study the entirety of Scripture so that we truly understand what is being said in any certain passage that we're reading. All right, Psalms 119, verse 160 says, The sum of thy word is truth, and every one of thy righteous ordinances endureth forever. Okay, it doesn't say some of your words are truth. It says the sum of your words are truth. When you add up all of the words, that is truth. This right here, the Bible, this is not a collection of 31,102 independent verses, okay? They don't just they don't just stand alone, they're not disconnected. The Bible has to be studied as a whole. It, it's, it's intertwined history, stories, letters, and literary pieces spread out over a huge period of time. And they're put together to deliver God's one message. One message. All of Scripture. It's not disconnected. It goes together to deliver one message from God. It tells us a story of how 
like I said before, how, how God created a perfect world, how sin destroyed this perfection time and time again, how Jesus came to redeem the brokenness of the world, how Jesus came to redeem our own personal brokenness, how he's going to return again and bring glory once and for all for all of us. So when we read and we study specific verses and specific scripture in this light, then we ask ourselves, well, what part of this overall narrative, what part of this one message does this topic fit into? And it's when we study scripture all together that, that we begin to make more sense of, of individual passages. Okay? And I'm going to explain a little bit further here. If, you know, if, if we study scripture as a whole, then, then it eliminates what a lot of us are guilty of. That's why I call cherry picking. All right, Christians have been really good in the past, and they continue to be really good at this cherry picking verses to try and support an argument. Some people I've heard it called copy and paste theology. You copy a verse from here and you paste it here into what you're trying to trying to get across. Okay. So basically, we find this one verse to support what we're saying. Cherry picking. That's what I'm going to call it. But but when we do this then we're paying no attention at all to the context of the overall story that this verse falls into. We fail to take into account the audience, okay? So in other words, the people, the culture, the times that it was originally written to. We definitely lose sight of how the actual message in a particular verse fits into this overall message of God's one message in Scripture, okay? We look at a particular verse out of context, we interpret it incorrectly, and... When we take it out of the overall message, when we take it out of that message and we try to take one passage and, and build our theology around it, I, I'm just going to be honest with you, I think that's a pretty lazy way to study Scripture. That's, that's what I'm going to say right here. Um, it's, it's the preferred method. Uh, if you want to be closed-minded and kind of stubborn, um, or you want things your way, just to take that one verse and say this is what it says. That's not how we're going to study it. All right? We're going to study the Scripture as a whole. And I already know, I, I hear one of the arguments already. Revelations 22, verse 18 and 19. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away, or words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Isn't this our go-to verse when we want to argue about certain verses? Right? We read one verse and we say, well, so what the Bible says, we can't take away from it. We can't add to it. All right? This is one of those times I'm going to draw your attention here and hear what I'm saying. All right? I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not saying we take any verses out of the Bible. I'm not saying we add to the Bible. I totally agree we can't add or subtract anything from Scripture. Okay? But this verse does not mean that we don't study deeply and that we don't understand the entire Bible as a whole. In fact, I would be so bold as to say that when we cherry-pick a verse out of the entirety of Scripture, we become guilty of taking things away from Scripture and removing things, okay? When we take one verse out of context and out of the entire Scripture, we're throwing, we're throwing the rest of that stuff away. So let's take a closer look at what I mean when I say this idea of cherry-picking. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to do some examples here. So does not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him, but that if a woman has long hair, it is her glory? Her long hair is given to her as a covering. Now we can read that, we can cherry pick that verse, and we can say men shouldn't have long hair, women shouldn't have short hair. 
We can take those two verses and we can build an entire doctrine around it, right? We cherry pick that out of the context. And as I look around, I see a whole lot of women with short hair. And I see, see a couple. I see John with long hair. All right? But we know that's not what that passage, what that passage is meaning. We, can't, we don't cherry pick it and just pluck it out of complete context. We look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Now I'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, but it is but is sexually immoral or greedy, an adulterer or a slander, a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man do not even eat. So we read that, we're going to cherry pick it. We shouldn't even associate or even eat with a sinning Christian. So I guess we should all eat by ourselves all the time. Which probably doesn't even work because I guess we're all sinners and are falling short so we can't even eat with ourselves. Alright? Not sure we can cherry pick that out of there. How about 1 Timothy chapter 2? I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes. Sorry, women, you can't have braided hair. You can't have nice hairstyles. Can't wear jewelry. Can't wear nice clothes. Again, as I look around, a lot of people not a lot of people violate that. All right, are you starting to see the dangers of, of cherry picking these verses? All right, and just taking it out of context. I, I can, I, I could go through and pick out hundreds. I could pick out hundreds in the Old Testament, like Leviticus 19, where it talks about uh, not having tattoos. Uh, figures a lot of people violating that. Uh, New Testament, men lift up holy hands when you're praying, or women, you can only be saved through childbearing. We don't believe those. Th we understand that if we cherry pick those things and take them out of context, they make zero sense. Zero sense. It's the danger. All right. So, so, as we take this approach that we're not going to cherry pick verses, then there are certain things that we have to do to understand uh, or uh, to avoid these mistakes. All right. Number one, we got to understand that Jesus Christ is the foundation. He is our only foundation, and there could be no other foundation of our faith. The moment that we take Jesus and His attributes out of Scripture is the moment that that we can become guilty of cherry picking. Right. The Bible is only complete and fulfilled. Through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ's message can be summed up with one word. Love. Right? Even Paul himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says that Jesus is our foundation. We also need to look when we're studying scripture. We look for God's attributes. Right? God is a loving God. As evidenced by his grace and mercy in saving us. He's not this impossible to please dictator. He's a loving God. And, and if we're going to look at God's attributes, you know, not to jump too far ahead, but as we're looking at, at this idea of women's roles, if you look at Scripture as a whole, and you look at God's love toward women, you're going to see that He raised up women all throughout Scripture to be judges, to be prophets, uh, to preach His Word, to be deaconesses, all kinds of things. We have to look for not only Jesus Christ as our foundation and His attributes, but God's attributes, all right? We also have to study the Bible as a whole. How does each individual verse fit into the overall message? That one message that I keep saying. One message that the Bible delivers us. We have to understand that many of these verses were written to a different audience, in a different culture, a different time. We fail to consider that the Bible was written to people who live, who eat, work, talk, and interact in ways that are different from us. Okay? Think, think about some of the things that we read about in the Bible. Uh, casting lots, birthrights, eating habits, agricultural practices, and slavery are all talked about and preached about. Um, 
These are all things that are examples of things of the culture of the times, not of eternal value. Okay? What does remain the same are the eternal principles, or, or the eternal principles that govern what is and isn't acceptable. Okay? What is a sin and what's not a sin in God's eyes. Those are the things that don't change. Doesn't matter what culture you're in. You, you, is it a sin? Is it not a sin? I'm going to let you in on a little secret. A little secret here. Uh, you know, woman's not a sin. I'm just saying. Um, so, so when we look at these verses that we just read a while ago, uh, that we cherry picked through and saw what they really meant, we go back through there and, and we actually apply the context and, and the overall gospel message, the, the scripture as a whole. Then we understand that First Corinthians 11. Um, it's not necessarily saying men can't have long hair and women can't have short hair. It's time to upgrade our equipment. I don't even run around as much as Tim. How does that happen? Um, but we understand that, that at the time Paul wrote these words, 1 Corinthians 11, that he was addressing a specific problem in, our church, in the church culture then, right? There was prostitution taking place even inside the churches. Men with long hair and women with short hair were known, uh, were recognized to be prostitutes at that time. So if a man had long hair or a woman had short hair, then they weren't able to be believable witnesses for God. People wouldn't listen to what they were saying. Okay? So we no longer look at things in hair length anymore in our culture. But we understand this is talking about being believable witnesses for God. Uh, maybe it's the language we use when we're out and about, the jokes we tell. Probably... Uh, one of the worst things anymore is the divisive, unchristian things that we post on social media. Okay? If you're going to post those kind of things, you're probably not being a very believable witness for, for God. So, so we understand what that verse is. We look at it in the context. We look at it in, in what the Scripture is trying to tell us. All right? Be a believable witness. How about 1 Corinthians 5? Where we talked about not even eating with sinners. Well, Jesus himself came and interacted with sinners. Why? Because that's who he came to save, right? We understand that, that we're not meant to be alone. We're not supposed to interact uh, with sinners. I mean, come on, we're all sinners, like I said. Um, but when we look at this verse in the light of the gospel message, when we look at it in the light of, of what the Bible tells us from beginning to end, then we understand that it's telling us that we're not supposed to be influenced by these people. All right? We can be around them, we can eat with them, but we're supposed to influence them. Let's look at the context. Let's understand what these verses are saying. How about our Timothy one about our braided hair and, and fancy clothes? We understand that's not what that verse really means. But contextually we know that it means we're supposed to be modest and gentle. We're supposed to be known for our loving character, not just by what we look like, right? Our behavior and our dress should express submission and respect to God. You look at these verses in the proper context with the proper perspective. You know, these, these verses kind of, they fall into that middle section of the pyramid that we talked about earlier. How do you interpret them based on the, the perspective that you're looking at or that you're using, the proper context? You know, when Mark said this last week, but, but when we take some of these matters of interpretation out of the proper context and we don't look at them in the light of the entire Scripture, then we have this, we're, we're sort of guilty. We tend to elevate Paul to the same level of Jesus. And we start thinking that 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 they're on that on the same level, um, and, and we often overlook passages in Paul's own letters, things like "This is my opinion," 
Things like, we have no other practices on the matter, so judge for yourselves. Things like, I'll have more to say when I come to you. But right now, this, this is a problem, so stop it for now. But when I come to you, I'm going to have more teaching on the matter. We disregard all of those things. We have to remember we study with the proper perspective when we're looking at any scripture. We don't cherry pick them, all right? So, so we looked at some examples. We've looked at how we're supposed to study scripture. How does this relate to our topic of women's roles in worship? Well, it's pretty simple. We're going to study the passages about women's roles, women's roles in the exact same fashion. And I'm here to tell you that these often cherry-picked passages about women's roles fall into that same middle layer of interpretation. And we have to study them through the same lens. The lens of the gospel message, the lens, I'm going to say this over and over again, the lens of the gospel message, the lens of the Bible as a whole. That's how we study anything, including this. And over these next few weeks, you're going to hear sermons that go into way more detail about looking at these verses the correct way, okay? But I, I just want to quickly lay a, a foundation that you need to keep in mind as we kind of go out, go throughout these next sermon series. Let's, let's look at the two passages right now, all right? Um, and I'm going to tell you, these are the only two passages. In the Bible that we use. 1 Corinthians 14. Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home. For it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. In 1 Timothy 2, 11-12. A woman should learn in quietness and full submissions. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over man. She must be silent. Let's not look at context. Let's just cherry pick them out of there. Let's just read these. What does it mean if we just read those and don't look at the passage? We don't look at it through the gospel message. We don't look at it as, as scripture as a whole. All right? We do that, we easily say Paul instructs women to be silent. But they're not even allowed to speak. All right? Let me ask you this. What's the church? What is the church? When the church comes together, what's the church? People? All right? Is it the building? No, it's the people, right? When the church comes together, when the people come together, they didn't even have church buildings back then. They usually met people's homes, things like that. But if we take this verse literally, then being silent, women shouldn't be singing. Women shouldn't be able to talk in Bible class. Women shouldn't even be able to talk during times of fellowship if we have a pitch in meal because the church is coming together. A bunch of Christians are coming together. I just find it funny. We cherry pick this verse out of here and we try to make it one of our foundational building blocks that women aren't supposed to do anything. But then we're not even happy with that, so we manipulate it around and we change it to say, well, it only really means it during this time, but not during this time. How about our first Timothy 2 passage? We take this verse alone, pay no attention to the context. We don't look at it in the proper perspective like we've looked at all the other verses today. Then we see that women are supposed to be silent. Women aren't supposed to teach. Women are supposed to learn quietly. Again, we cherry-pick this verse out. We don't look at the context. And then we manipulate it, too. It says women shouldn't teach. Well, we've, over time, we've extrapolated that out to say, well, that just means women aren't supposed to teach men. Because we only want it to apply when we want it to apply. And then we say, well, we're going to reference Titus chapter 2, where we talk about older women teaching younger women. Well, if we look there, 
It doesn't even talk about worship service. It's not even about actual teaching. It's about setting an example and how we live. We also forgot to keep in mind that Titus' passage talks about how we're supposed to treat slaves. Does that mean the Church of Christ should be promoting slavery? Well, no! No, it doesn't. We understand the context. We understand what these verses are supposed to be trying to say. Alright? The problem with taking these two passages about women's roles out of context is the same problem that we had with the other verses that we looked at today out of context. And I think we all agree that the other verses aren't taking it literal face value and that we have to understand what the proper context is. We obviously do as I look around and see the women with the short hair and wearing jewelry and all these things. We understand that. So why is it, why is it then with the two passages about women's roles that we don't look at the context and we don't look at it through the lens of the gospel message? Because it's easy? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, think about this. Those same two passages we read, 1 Corinthians 14 and, 2, and 1 Timothy, it's written by the same author. They're the same letters of the other verses we just looked at. And said so we can't take them at face value. We have to look at the context. Okay? Common sense should tell every one of us that we have to examine these two passages with the same perspective that we look at all the other ones. You can't study some verses one way and other verses another. It doesn't work that way. You can also see those passages we read. The only passages that talks about women being silent in any way, shape, or form represent 0.003% of the entire Scripture. Point zero zero three. And if we're supposed to study Scripture as a whole, if we cherry-pick those verses out of there, we're throwing away 99.97 or 99.99. 7% of the rest of Scripture when we cherry-pick. We have to look at them in the same light as we do those other verses. There's just another other way around it. And I know you're going to say, well, if you disregard those two passages, then you might as well throw out other parts of the Bible that you may not like. Again, listen to what I say. If that's your argument, you're just being closed-minded and stubborn, and you're not listening to what I'm saying. I am in no way saying throw those two verses, those two passages out of the Bible. What I'm saying is we study them in the proper context. We study them through the proper perspective of the gospel message, of the Bible as a whole delivering one message to us. If we cherry pick them, that's when we become guilty of subtracting from the Bible. 99.997% of the Bible to be exact. If we don't look at the context and we don't look at Scripture as a whole, we'd be throwing out passages that talk about women calling or God calling women to be judges, to be prophets. We throw out Scripture about Phoebe, who was a deaconess. We throw out Scripture about Anna, who prophesied and prayed daily inside the temple, even preached the arrival of the Messiah to everyone who would listen every day. Preaching and praying in the temple. If we cherry pick those verses and say women can't do things, then we're throwing out scripture about Lydia, who obviously was leading a church in her own home. We throw out multiple scriptures about God giving the same kind of spiritual gifts to both male and female. We throw out multiple scriptures where Joel prophesied about sons and daughters receiving the same Holy Spirit. 
We throw out the scripture where Peter in Acts 2, the chapter that, that we hold up as the holy grail for how our church is supposed to be. What's Peter say? He says, your sons and daughters will be prophesying and praying because they're going to receive the same Holy Spirit as the men. All kinds of scripture we'd be throwing out. We'd even throw out 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in the same letter where Paul did it again. Where Paul was plain as day. It's just plain as day. Women were prophesying and praying during church. He doesn't say in chapter 11, don't do it. No. In chapter 11, they're arguing about whether the women should have their heads covered or not, and Paul's addressing that. He doesn't say don't do it. We understand Paul is addressing certain people in, this, in a certain church at that specific time. We have to understand the true context of these scriptures and examine them in the proper perspective, and it's going to clearly show that those passages fall as it, as it relates to orderly worship. Okay, and how we have our worship service in an orderly fashion. And David's going to talk more about that next week, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to steal any more of his thunder there. But, but I want to wrap up today. I just simply want to say that, that let's study this topic of women's roles properly. We're going to use the correct perspective. Anything else, or anything less, is, is taking the easy way out. Or it's just simply digging in our heels and refusing to listen and try to understand. Yeah, it may be difficult. And it certainly may be different than how we've studied them before. But God expects nothing less from us. It's probably a good thing here to remember the words of Peter in 2 Peter 3. Peter says this about Paul. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures through their own destruction. Paul's writings can be hard to understand. Peter himself said they're hard to understand. They're really hard to understand if we take them out of context. All right? We got to study. I'm here to say, none of us, none of us here are ignorant and unstable. Okay? We're not going to distort these verses. But we're going to be like the brands that Luke wrote about in Acts chapter 11. Verse 11 Acts chapter 11, 17, verse 11. When he says this, now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see what Paul said was true. So we're going to study this topic of women's roles, and we're going to study it correctly. We're going to use the proper perspective. We're going to use all of God's scriptures. Anything less, I contend, is being closed-minded, being a little bit lazy, being stubborn, and it's certainly anything less. Is not what God expects from us. All right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning and for this opportunity to come together to really dive in and study your word on this topic of women's roles, Father. We know it's a, uh, a sensitive topic and maybe a topic that uh, we may not all ever agree on. But Father, we do ask that as we examine this, Open up our hearts and open up our minds. Let us see, Father, that we cannot cherry-pick these verses out. 
and, and remove them from the rest of your word, the rest of your scripture. We see how it fits into your scripture. We see the context. We see how it fits into your gospel message of love. Father, help us as we go through this sermon series that you help us to see that, help us to study it with the proper perspective. But above all, Father, we just ask that you are with this church, with each of us, that we, that we love each other and that we, some of us may not all agree, but that we can agree to disagree agreeably, Father. Just be with us and be with this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.